Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, well, this is the portion of the program where we give you our token bantering, since we all know that we can't have a successful podcast if we talk about only serious stuff all the time. So what meaningless offerings can you brothers give us this morning on the first part of the show? (laughs) All I can say is that I slept terrible last night because I have been waiting for Phil to finish his train of thought from yesterday. And so I've been waiting and waiting and waiting and it kept me awake all last night. Yep. And that train is, uh, well, remember what, remember what, uh, God says to Habakkuk, but still the vision awaits its time. Go it slow, wait for it. Um, so uh, we've been talking I about- I believe the, that is the precise application of that, that text. I think so. I don't believe there was any taking that out of context. <laughs> not, in, not in the least. Uh, we, we've been talking about the 23rd Psalm, and of course uh, known as the Shepherd Psalm. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And uh, it's, it's, it's everybody's favorite psalm for, for good reason. Um, and it, it talks about God uh, caring for us and, and leading us to places of rest and refreshment. Uh, and ultimately, Jesus, the good shepherd, is the fulfillment of Psalm 23. Uh, and Mark's gospel makes that really clear. And, and Mark is deliberately, but in a mysterious way, making that explicit. It's sometimes called the messianic secret in, in Mark's gospel that Mark talks very crypt, cryptically about Jesus. He wants you to figure it out. Mark wants you to do the math and come to the conclusion that Jesus is the Lord of Israel. And, uh, Think about the 23rd Psalm and and look at, I'm going to look at Mark chapter six and the, Jesus has just sent in, in uh, chapter five, uh, Jesus sent out his apostles to carry the gospel. And to, he said, uh, he charged them take nothing for their journey, except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts to wear sandals, put on two tunics. He said to them, you know, he, he said, go. And uh, he went out. They went out and proclaimed that everyone should repent. So Jesus is is training. He's he's sending his apostles out. They come back to him. Uh, verse thirty of chapter six in Mark says the apostles returned to Jesus, told him all that they had done and taught, and he said to them, "Come away now. Start listening for the voice of the shepherd of Psalm twenty three. Remember, the Lord is my shepherd; he leads me." Uh, besides still waters. He said, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest. Come rest a while. So they go 
but this crowd comes, this crowd that is just hungry for Jesus follows them. And it's, and Mark says, Jesus in verse 34, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Now, why does Mark choose that phrase? Why, why does he call them sheep without a shepherd? And so the people are hungry. Jesus says to his disciples, you give them something to eat. And then, of course, they do the inventory. Uh, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And they come back and they say, well, we've got five loaves and two fish. And then verse 39 says, Jesus commanded them all. He commanded them to sit down in groups on the green grass. Now, why does Mark have to point out to us that the grass was green? Because he makes me lie down in green pastures. That's why. He commanded them. He makes me lie down. Jesus commanded them to lie down on the green grass. Uh, Jesus is making very clear here who he is. The feeding of the 5,000, Jesus is acting out the 23rd Psalm. He's not just acting it out, he's living it out. Feeding his people. Giving them rest. Giving them refreshment. These people who are sheep without a shepherd. And Mark wants us to do the math in our heads, in our hearts. Who is this Jesus? He's the Lord of Psalm 23. He's God. The Lord is my shepherd. Jesus is God with us. So there's a direct connection between Psalm 23 and the feeding of the 5,000. Um, also to Ezekiel uh, chapter 34. Uh, but uh, it... it well, even that first, the first line in, in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. At the end of this miracle in Mark chapter uh, 6, uh, what happened after Jesus uh, multiplied the loaves? Well, there was leftovers. Yes. Uh, you know, there's leftover grace, so to speak. And the Psalm 23 ends with surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Yes. You know, when Jesus commits to being our shepherd, he commits to, to having grace for us all of our lives. We are, we are filled up to overflowing. Yeah. Amen. Uh, That's a fascinating. Now, did you come up with that on your own or did you steal that from somebody else? It, everything that I know is stolen from somebody else. Um, no, I, I learned that many, many years ago from a wonderful Bible teacher named Paul Beyer, uh, who for, for, for several generations was a well-known Bible teacher for InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. And back in the, back in the late 70s, I studied the book of Mark with him. You should have just said it was original. We wouldn't have known. Yeah, I know. I, I know I would have. <laughs> but you wouldn't have believed me. Um, this is a plug for the book that Josh has mentioned the last couple of days, the learning to love the Psalms by Robert Godfrey. And, and one of the things that he teaches in that book is sometimes in the Psalms, like for us, we normally put the punchline at the end or the main thought, and we want it there at the end for emphasis in the Psalms. Oftentimes they put the, the key issue, key point of the Psalm in the center. 
and he would claim that Psalm 23 is one of those of those psalms that the heart of the psalm is in the center of the psalm mm-hmm. that you are with me yeah. is the key phrase um, of Psalm 23 that that that's the heart of the psalm not just literally um, but theologically the the center yeah uh, if you want to if you want to hear a tricky uh, tricky technical literary term that's called a chiastic structure mm-hmm. like like the Greek letter chi is an X mm-hmm. and in a chiastic literary structure and, and and by the way almost all Near Eastern thought including biblical thought but even beyond the Bible Almost all Near Eastern ancient thought is chiastic. The the main point will be in the middle, not at the end. Yeah, and the the if you think about like a pyramid kind of on its side, mm-hmm. like it it the the sides of the pyramid mirror each other. So it yes. walk, it walks up to the main point and then it walks back down from that. Yes, point. exactly. And the points will parallel each other. Yep. Yep. And that's a that's a wonderful way to to find out the main point of any particular passage. If you can if you can see the chiastic structure that's there, well then you can immediately see what God has intended for you to pull away as the main point in this text. Yeah. You know, I, sorry, I agree with you guys. I think that part in the middle for you are with me is the main point. But I want to look at this last verse real quick, uh, especially in this season of, of COVID nineteen. You know, when when everything is is well in especially Western affluent society, then I think liberalism can have a tendency to flourish because we, we talk about nonsensical things. Like it's, it's all about the, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. And it's more about asking questions than it is about giving answers. But when, when, when you're faced with death and when you're faced with plague, suddenly the, the questions about eternity start becoming way more important as they always should be anyway. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, verse six, the psalmist ends by saying, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And let me just pause there for a moment. That even means when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I love I've been meditating on the larger catechism lately, and it talks about how even the death of a Christian is a blessing because we leave all of our sin and misery behind and we're brought into the presence of God himself. So even when, even when we're faced with the most horrible things, you're still receiving goodness and mercy from the good shepherd. And then he says, and, and here's the end of it. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Brothers, if you're lying on your deathbed, what is the promise that you need to hear above every other promise? That you're going to live again. I shall die and I shall see my Redeemer again. I will be in the house of the Lord forever. Yeah. It's interesting that um, those last two verses, um, this is David writing the psalm. So there is, we don't know the circumstances. The, the psalm doesn't tell us. But David's reflecting on something that happened in his life. And I'm convinced that verse 5 really deals with an incident in his life at the end of 2 Samuel 17, when he is being pursued by Absalom. He's fleeing for his life out of Jerusalem. And as he's leaving, um, these men come and prepare a feast for David. Mm -hmm. And the words here, you prepare a table, prepare, 
is a word in the Hebrew that means it's always deliberate, um, intentional, um, almost leisurely. Um, that God's not in a hurry. God's not af- afraid of those that are pursuing. He's in control. But then verse six says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Follow is not actually the words that's there. It's the word shall pursue me. It's a strong word. So if, the, if I have the incident right, that this is Absalom pursuing, what David is saying is there's a greater pursuer than, than Absalom. Hmm. The two great truths of who God is, his goodness and his steadfast love and mercy, hmm. they're pursuing me more than, than my enemies. Hmm. Yes. And for every child of God, that's true. That God's goodness and his steadfast covenant love is following after and in pursuit of all of his people. Well, absolutely, brother. Meditating back on verse five again, you prepare a table before me. I, I totally agree. I, I think that's a, a a wonderful conjecture, perhaps true, but isn't it more even fully realized in, in John 14 in the, in the upper room discourse when Jesus mm-hmm. says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will surely come again and take you to myself. Again, Jesus being the, the great shepherd, we, we not only need a, a table prepared for us here on earth, but we need that final dwelling place prepared for us in heaven. All right. Well, we have 30 seconds left. So what kind of. I would just encourage our listeners to be spending some time, not only in the Bible, but maybe specifically in the Psalms during this time period. I've I've found it to be a great source of comfort and hope and encouragement to my soul. Mm -hmm. And and meditate on the Psalms as as Psalm 1. Psalm 1 charges us, you know, uh, blessed is the man uh, that on God's law, he meditates day and night. and if you haven't yet, as I said uh, in a previous show, if you haven't yet memorized Psalm 23, uh, and if you've, if you've done that one, then move on to another one, uh, good time to do it. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Gospel for Life. We will see you next time. 